Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. I think we're seeing with uh, the evolution of technologies, with the evolution of um, the sensors around the robot, um, we're giving the robot a lot more potential to explore a lot more fields. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my co-host Lloyd Graff. Today we're discussing one of our favorite topics, robots. Our guest is Sebastian Schmidt, North American Robotic Division Manager of Stobli, a prominent robot builder headquartered in Switzerland. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. We are honored to have Sebastian Schmidt of Staubli. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. So, Sebastian, you, your company, uh, Staubli Robots, can you give us the scoop on that? You know, a lot of people here, they may have heard of it, but when we think of robots, we think more of FANUC or, or perhaps uh, Universal Robots. So, what is Stabli? What's the history of it? Yeah, okay. Um, so, Stabli is, uh, is a family-owned uh, Swiss company. We're about 126 years old. Um, we started in the, in the textile industry where uh, we were doing uh, uh, Dobby machines, so cam-driven machine, and that was in 1892. And uh, throughout the many years, we developed uh, uh, competence in, in mechanical, but also uh, electrical by diversifying our activity through connectors, quick connect and disconnect, as simple as uh, fluid gases and going to uh, electrical, and then continuing the diversification, we went into uh, robotics in the early um, 80s by being a distributor for, yeah, early 80s, so about a little bit more than 30 years ago, where we started robotics by uh, being the distributor for Unimation, so the first robots, uh, electrical robots, it used to be hydraulic and then uh, electrical, so uh, Puma Unimation was the first robot, and we learned from that, and after after a few years, seven years, more or less, being a distributor for European markets, um, being Swiss-based, obviously, uh, we 
we acquired the technology, so we acquired Unimation from Westinghouse, and we learned from their technology, and we created our first homemade robot, which was the RX. And since then, we developed the version B, RXB, to TX, to TX2 today. Um, so it's the fourth generation of the six-axis. We we have a, a full range of uh, picker, scourer machine, as well as six-axis machine. So um, that's who we are. So we're coming from a, a textile background, and that's one of the reasons uh, we're based in uh, South Carolina in uh, in USA for our headquarters, uh, uh-huh. our roots from the, the textile industry. So what percentage of... Stabley's business is robotics versus the connectors or the textiles. It's about 40, 40, 20, uh, 40% connectors, 40% textile and 20% uh, robotics. So we're the third uh. with the third division coming and the youngest one, I, I should say, and that, that explains it. Uh, but uh, we surely are very competitive with our colleagues and, and uh, sister divisions and, uh, uh, every year we're we're uh, competing to uh, to catch up with them and uh, be uh, and contribute uh, to to have a goal to be third, third, third. That's that's what our uh, owners want and what we're aiming for, and even grow in the future even more. I mean, uh, the robotic industry is is growing as everybody knows, so we see a very bright future. Uh, this is Lloyd Graff, uh, Sebastian. Give us the landscape of the uh, robot business in North America right now. Who are the uh, market share leaders and what niche do you think that Staubley can uh, grow most rapidly in? So that's a, a very broad question, but uh, I'll start by um, um, giving a, a, a landscape as to who consumes robots. I mean, uh, if you look at the, the REA figures and IFRs and those organizations, um, looking at the, the figures they publish, 50% more or less is going to automotive uh, sector, automotive segment. Um, so, and that goes into d- two different fields. You have the body and whites, where uh, the robotics is basically putting the car together. Uh, the robots are being used for heavy welding. It's a quarter of a car size machine. 150 kg, uh, and that's about half of the automotive industry. The other half is all the components that you need to build the car, um, whether it's a window shield or a dashboard, a car interior, seats, uh, electrical pump, you name it. I mean, all those components that goes under the hood or inside the car or around the car needs to be manufactured, and that's the other half of uh of the, the industry. Um, from there, uh, the automotive is, was the first initiating um, uh, consumer of robotics in, in the industry in the early 80s and has developed uh, uh, with robotics and, and the use of automation and so on. But then since then, you, you have pharmaceutical industry, you have life science, medical device, all those industry where trustability is important, where you need to be able to automate your industry and guarantee uh, when and what you produce and where for obviously health reasons. But not only you have that for the food industry, food and beverage, 
Uh, you can go to the plastic industry. Uh, all those different segments uh, have uh, needs for automation and robotics with the evolution of the sensors and the evolution of the all the uh, peripheral equipment, whatever it's a vision system or a scanner or or uh, a simple switch, all those things uh, evolve in giving more ability for robots to be applied in those uh, industry. Um, You mentioned market leaders and uh, uh, different uh, shares and so on. Obviously, uh, robotics and automation or, or body and white being the uh, the main uh, the main uh, market whoever has the large largest share in those automotive uh, industry has the major players so you mentioned Fanuc for instance um, so Fanuc is one of the major player in in the um, in the North America but not only I mean you have a tons of other industry and in how it depends how you choose and which areas you choose to pick. Uh, you may be a leader uh, like us. Stavi is a leader in the life science and medical device. This is oh, where okay. medical. we fell and this is where we've done, uh, we done well. But it's a choice for us to not be in the body and white environment. We don't have the product for it, for instance. And uh, we just simply don't try to go there. I mean, it's a crowded place. The, the what? White environment? The body and white. Body and white is where, where the car is being welded together. Oh, okay. So body typically, now. we call that we we call that body and white. So that's typical car manufacturer. I mean, the big threes in the in the Detroit areas. Uh, you name it. Uh, all the Toyota, Volkswagen, BMW. All those guys are have their plants and they're putting the cars together while they have big, huge lines of uh, using robots welding things together. Uh, that's not a market where we're in because we made the choices to be the supplier that will be there for the components of the car, mm-hmm. uh, doing the brake assembly systems, doing the uh, uh, dashboard, doing the more delicate stuff and added value with our performance and our machines, um, being in the life science environment, being the leader there um, because of our offering on the uh, sensitive environment. The design of our equipment is all fully enclosed and that gives us the capability to to address different segments in different markets with our product by by um, making it custom to that environment. The, so I'll give you an example. In, in the food industry, for instance, you need a washdown machine if you're going to the primary sector. If you're going to where the product is open, that's an environment where you need to, to clean and sanitize your equipment on a regular basis. Well, our robot is compatible since it is enclosed. We code, we code it correctly, so we're compatible with those chemical agent and, and cleaning uh, and sanitizing process. So it can be used in those environments. Is that unique to Stavli? That's a unique to Stavli, yes, absolutely. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com.
How much how much of the robots are are made in Switzerland? So the main manufacturing facility is located in France. Oh, okay. So that's where where they're at. So most of the robot is manufactured in France. Correct. Yes. Well, that's interesting. For the people who are not familiar with the Staubli line, would you say the bulk of your robots are uh, of the smaller type, as far as their uh, weight handling ability? Yeah, I'd say small to medium. We start at uh, half a kilo to 150 kg, and more or less 150, and then we stop. We again, we don't go into the big heavy payload or or the quarter of a car size 160 kg that's not that's not where we're going um so yeah i'd say small to medium uh, load payload and and size yes are are you getting into the collaborative business uh we do um we do um you know the the collaborative uh, started as a buzz uh, that's how i see it and uh, uh, people being interested and curious about what it is, and uh, the bus created a trend, and the trend has changed our changed our way of doing things today in in robotics. It's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, so the collaborative, how do we manage collaborative? We we strong believer that uh, um, we need to have a product that can address all all need. Um, so. What we did, and we came out with the TX2 range, and that TX2 is capable of uh, addressing collaborative aspects as well as standard industrial. Oh, okay. So the one robot can do both things. Yes. So the same robot can do both things. And, oh, interesting. And what we claim is you don't have to make that choice. We believe that people are interested in doing more collaborative, which is true but they don't really know or understand how to apply. Uh, a machine is only collaborative if you apply it as a collaborative machine. If you just apply it the way you apply it in a standard industrial, fenced in and, and you don't take attention to, uh, to all the safety aspects around that what is required, it's, it's not going to be a collaborative. A collaborative means um, you need to look at pinch points, you need to look at, at your risk assessment, what happened if someone comes in close to it? Is it if you manufacture uh, uh, knife blades, for instance? Uh, how collaborative can you be, right? If you have a, a robot handling uh, something sharp, right. uh, it, it cannot by by default cannot be collaborative. It's dangerous. It's dangerous in the sense that it, the robot doesn't need to move to make it dangerous. It, even as a standstill, you have a sharp object in the middle. So people need to be careful of. So all those are things that you need to take care of and you need to think of to say, okay, what do I need to do and how and how do I mitigate each and every risk in my process so I can make it collaborative and people can can work with and for. So is there a switch on the robot that just changes the speed, like the collaborative speed, the safety speed, and then the other one? Is that... Is that how it works? Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's exactly no. It's a it's a configuration. So you basically configure saying, okay, I I do my risk assessment. I I see that there is a a potential of risk here. I need to mitigate that risk by applying a scanner sensor. And if I detect that, I need to slow down the the speed of the machine. 
and and reduce uh, re reduce the throughput there. So while the person is located close, there is no risk. He, he won't be afraid of of something moving abruptly and, and quickly. But once he moves out, you can carry on and, and repeat. So so it's a configuration more than anything else. If you want to program it, do you have does it have the like the sensor like with universal robots where you can just move and it'll uh, emulate your movement or is it more of a joystick like the Fanuc robots when you're trying to program it in in the sort of the easy way for the layman? So it's more of a point to point, uh, but you move it with the uh, teach pendant. Or you call it joystick, similar, yeah. Okay. Um, you move it from one point to another and. Uh, you say, okay, you're going from that spot to here, and you do that, and this is the logic behind it, and so on. A lot of these robot companies, they claim somebody can learn in a week or something, or a few hours to learn to do the basic stuff with the collaborative. Is that similar? Would you say it's a similar learning curve? As we use it in the similar, yeah, I'd say it's a similar, but as we use it in similar from an industrial to a, to a, a collaborative robot. Uh, typically, a, a week of training is what we we request people to to follow. Um, then they're autonomous and they're capable of doing things. But again, it could be a lot faster if your application or if your uh, need is simpler. But uh, I recall I recall uh, one of your podcasts where uh, one of my colleagues in Chanik was explaining. It all depends of. On, on what you do with the machine. I think he was very right uh, saying it's it's not teaching a point A to point B for the robot. That's not complicated at all. Everybody can do that easily. It's the question of what do you do from A to B. Exactly, the integration. How do you integrate? How, what is the, the gripper doing once you get there and this and that? What's the logic and how do you recover from uh, 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 exception situation and this and that? And that needs to be taking care of so i remember i, I lost his name I, I have to apologize it was uh yeah james personaire yeah he was uh interesting uh listening to that podcast very interesting um i have a, a question in the industrial robot field uh you've seen um, a group of independent integrators uh grow up uh as sort of the middlemen between the manufacturers and the users. Uh, many of them have expertise in one type of robot or another. Uh, how are you trying to develop uh, your relationship with integrators or are you not? So we are. Um, Stavli is not doing any integration. Uh, we are systematically working with a partner. Every project that we do look at and we work on is always systematically uh, being brought to an integrator. We are looking and seeking for projects when we develop our business. And when we found a project, we look at uh, what could be the solution and so on and so forth. And then we always bring a partner on board um, to, to provide the solution. We are the robotic experts, so we know how to apply robotics to an automation uh, process and what it requires from a robotic standpoint. Our partners are experts in the food industry, maybe in the poultry area, I see. maybe in the bakery, 
uh, with knowledge and on the process of maybe in the in the brake manufacturing or in in adhesive or something. So we have different partners having different skills. Uh, maybe a, an expert in assembly of tight tolerance parts. You know. Yeah, that makes sense to go to the to 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 collaborate with the specialists from the field. I see exactly. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so our teams are robotic specialists. We're not. We're not experts in every single field. I mean, how do I know what uh, what is the 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 best practice in the, in a medical device? This is my partner. My partner knows how to do and what to do in this industry, and we follow them and work with them and with their customers, with our customer and users, to make sure that we apply the best practice with them. Okay. So, what if you're on the other end? What if you're a client? And you're not a big client. You're you're a, uh, an independent machine shop in Akron, and you uh, see several applications in your factory for automation for robots. And you have uh, found Staubli at a show or wherever. What's the normal process? Is that client? going to have to find his own integrator or are you going to suggest an integrator for that client? It works both ways. The The first thing is we obviously do an assessment, technical assessment with them. What, what's your what's your target? What are you trying to solve here? If obviously, if you want to go to automation, there is something you're trying to solve, whatever it's a, it's a throughput or it's a accuracy thing or it's a quality or so we're doing that assessment and we're looking at what is exactly the need that you have. Once we have that figured out, we, we also know and advise and saying, in our range of product, this is what you're looking at and this is what we suggest we use. From there, we ask them, okay, do you have any automation already? Have you done anything with who? And do you have a preferred partner that you want to work with? If not, we can suggest you one. But it's multiple ways. I mean, some people are saying, no, 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 I work with my buddy close by. I know them. I've been doing machine with them. I'm comfortable with them. That's who I want to work with. But also some of them, look, it's my first experience. I'm a small shop here. I don't really know. I'm coming to you. You're the specialist. Can you give me advice? And Do you think it works better when, when it's one of your guys, when it's somebody that you're experienced with? Not necessarily. I mean, there is uh, there is plenty of talented guys that we never worked with that uh, uh, we have a chance to cooperate on a project and things go as well. Sure. Uh, and then uh, that gives us an opportunity to do more work uh, in the future with them. Well, you know, just a few overall questions. Do you think that uh, robots are going to take away a lot of the unskilled jobs? Um in the United States or worldwide, or do you think it's just going to create new ones, etc.? cetera? Um, you know, you hear a lot of differing views about that. Yeah. So, so there is an interesting statistics and, in, and that is, that is going around that shows that every country that invests in robotics and automation in general creates more jobs. Hmm. There is, it's a hard to hard correlation to make and, and to prove, but, but you can see that every country that invests a lot and have a lot of install base and a lot of robotics see his unemployment rate going down. 
And and the reason for that, I've been hiring people left and right, and I'm struggling to find more. Um, in in my division here and and my activity, we're trying to to increase. We we have a continuous increase. Uh, increase of need of people, whatever the service people, salespeople, engineers. Um, we need to staff our our team to be closer to customers and we create more jobs. And we see also that we we create an added value to our customer by um, adding automation to it, um, getting people outside of uh, labor-intensive jobs where it's labor-intensive in the sense that very repetitive, very difficult, the job that nobody wants to do. We've done some uh, some operation and we've done some things where the environment is just um, it's just nasty. It's just not pleasant for people to be in. And we we managed to to put the robot there to do the the things that are difficult for human beings and people to do it, so they can they can be behind the scene and monitor, make sure the quality is there add the value to the product and to the process around the machines. So I think we, we're creating more jobs than anything and changing the, the, the landscape of which job exists and what. I mean, uh, you, you look at uh, 20 years ago, nobody would, uh, would talk about Industry 4.0 and having to do AIs and having to do any, any of that. So And today's new jobs that uh, are created would be automation and aspects. Sebastian, tell us how you got into this field and why you like it. Yeah, I was cur- I was curious about that. What what is your story? Ah, what is the story? I've uh, since I've I've been uh, a child, I've always been interesting and interested in in electronics and computers and and things like that. So naturally, um uh my family and my my background. Uh, we always had uh, cars. And where where did you grow up? I, I grew up in uh, in uh, northeast part of France. Okay. Over there, the uh, the the mine was very popular. I mean, we had a lot of mining, and my my family in the back had the mining uh, mining experience. And uh, my father was actually the first one that didn't go to the mine, but mm. all the predecessor ancestor were were in the mine and, and my father went into mechanics interesting and uh, my grandfather had a big garage and with always plenty of cars and and things to do and i was i was always around the scene and then looking at things and interested in doing things with my hands and with with mechanics and so on but when it came down to to choose uh, a task i i was always leaning towards more the electronics and electrical aspect and the, and software where was the beginning uh, it was beginning of softwares and, and PCs coming out in the early 80s and so on and I, I choose to go towards uh, computer science and uh, that's how I started and into computer science and naturally with uh, uh, computer science engineering and and knowledge of mechanics mechatronics and robotics came along and I had the chance to to join Starley early on and and carry on from that. So, and how did you develop such good English? <laughs> There's also a nice story about that. Huh? Um, when I applied for my first job, they they told me I don't speak English correctly, so <laughs> I got denied. And uh, 
Really? So I got, I, I'd say, I, I got, I got a, uh, uh, the face uh, reality there, and and uh, and I'm like, oh gee, I never understood that. Being in engineering, I needed to speak English. I thought everything needs to be just fixed, nuts and bolts, and it's pretty, pretty straightforward to me. Why do I need to speak English? And and I realized that uh, if you want to work for a, a international company that's gonna have to uh, provide uh, supports worldwide and go to different places, well, the guess what? The language uh, is English and uh, you, you need to do that. So what I did is I I left for United States for about three months to to just uh, work for uh, as a labor, uh, as a labor in, uh, in a textile environment, uh, not too far from here in North Carolina. And uh, I did some uh, uh, simple job of retrofitting machines and, and doing mechanical jobs. And, and I took the opportunity to, uh, to, challenge myself and go out every night and meet people and <laughs> and try to try to learn english and and speak and and get the opportunity to come back and and being skilled, better at english i guess and that's that's how it started before we close is there anything about what you're doing that scares you not really i mean you know i there is always the the movie of uh things robots and we talk about ter- Terminator and robots taking over controls. I mean, rule number one uh, of robotics is uh, uh, robots listen to men. That's rule number one. So Isaac Asimov. As long as we keep that, there is no there is no reason to be worried. Terminator or short circuit? I'll go with short circuit. All right, I, I Johnny Five. <laughs> All right, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure. Thank you.